Thanks for tuning in to the Calvary Carlsbad podcast. Today's message was taken from our 10 a.m. service. If you'd like to join us in person, you can get more info at our website at calvarycarlsbad.com. Let's jump right in, and we hope you're encouraged. The, the message title this morning is Relationships Matter. Maybe you picked that up on the Instagram. I'm not sure if you're around or not, but relationships matter. Uh, here at the end of Paul's life, in the very last letter he ever writes, within the last couple uh, verses really here, we see Paul emphasize relationships. And as you get to the end, that's one of the last things that you see value in, is relationships, both, both obviously with God, but also with each other, okay? So, um, yes, verse 9, let's stand up and we'll read through verse 15. So 2 Timothy chapter 4, 9 through 15. If you have the verses, great. If not, you can look on the screen here. Be diligent to come to me quickly, for Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world, and has departed for Thessalonica, Crescens for Galatia, Titus for Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to me for ministry. And Tychicus I have sent to Ephesus. Bring the cloak that I have left with Carpus at Troas when you come, and the books, especially the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. May the Lord repay him according to his works. You also must be aware of him, for he has greatly resisted our words. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for this time this morning that we could gather together and we can read from your word. And Lord, we pray that you would speak to us, God, and that we would have open ears to hear, eyes to see, Lord, and that our hearts would be receptive. And so God, change us where we need to change. Open our eyes to where we need to open our eyes. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you guys may be seated. So um, Paul, uh, is, is finishing his final letter with a cry for fellowship from some true friends. Um, 9 and 10. Be diligent to come quick, to me quickly, for Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world and has departed for Thessalonica, Crescens for Galatia, Titus for Dalmatia. Um, so we're going to have some points actually today, you know, three points for the message uh, in, in understanding how much relationships matter. The first point is mourning the change of a friendship. Um, Paul is going to be speaking of changes in relationships to people that he knew really well and that were a blessing to him, some for bad reasons, some for good reasons. Uh, but there's something to mourning a change of relationship and friendship right? I, you learn this, you can learn this early. Maybe you remember friends moving away when you're in elementary school, right? Uh, I remember thinking one of my best friends moved away, and I was just thinking, how can this be? And it was like devastating, you know? Uh, and, and it was like, man, they're gone. And then all of a sudden, like two years later, you're like, who were they again? I don't remember, you know. It's like time moves on, right? Or it can be through family stuff, you know, dealing with divorce or, or dealing with a death in the family, there's all kinds of stuff that can come. That, but there's a mourning that happens when we have a change of friendship or relationship. Uh, so Paul is, is crying out to Timothy, who's writing this letter to, in, in Ephesus. He says, be diligent to come to me quickly. Come quickly to me, for Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world, and has departed for Thessalonica. So Paul's saying, be diligent to come quickly to me. It's important to note, 
quickly doesn't really mean quickly. We live in a different world of quickly. You know, like a long drive is like seven, eight hours. You know, we can cross the whole country in like three days if you really just pedal to the metal, keep going, right? Uh, this is a different era. The, 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 to get to Rome from where he was at, it's estimated that it would take somewhere from four to six months. Okay? So you've got to imagine this letter is being given to Timothy, and then he's going to have to come back. So he's like, pack up, get ready, and go. Over land, over sea, all kinds of different... I mean, this is a lot of travel, right? I mean, you'd have to really think about how close of a friend you have if it meant traveling by foot four to six months, right? Like, you, I'm sure you, all of a sudden your amount of friends you would do that for has gone on to one hand, potentially, right? And even then, you're like, there's other friends, man, you know? There's got to be someone closer, you know? That's just a lot to ask, but Paul's saying, come quickly, Paul doesn't know how much longer he has. He knows he's on death row. He also knows that the Roman justice system was slow. Lots of delays. So he knew that he probably had some time. He said, Timothy, if you just get this and leave, come to me quickly, gather together the stuff he's going to speak about in a second, you'll be able to catch me. And he says, so come to me quickly. Why? Okay. One, Demas has forsaken me. So this guy Demas, we've seen his name before. Right? In Philemon, there's only one chapter in Philemon, verse 24, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, greets you as do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow laborers. Colossians 4, 14, Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. Seemingly, Demas was with Luke a lot, right? And we'll see Luke is still with Paul. Luke's like a ride or die, you know, he's with him. You know, and Luke's awesome. He's a, he's a twofer, and we'll get into that in a second. He's not only he's a ministry guy, he's also a, a physician. He's a doctor. He wrote two, of, and he ended up writing two of the books of the New Testament. So um, he was with him, but Demas is gone. He's forsaken him. What's interesting about this story about Demas is all the commentators I read, none of them believe that Demas necessarily left the faith. He didn't become an apostate. He wasn't like completely on the outside. He has just gotten entangled with the world, right? So he's forsaken Paul, having loved this present world. Why? I, I think it was so dangerous to be friends with Paul. And I think Demas was looking for safety and security. And he was just like, I got to distance myself from this guy. And so Paul sees it, though, as a betrayal, in a sense. Like, dude, you, were, you weren't there for me when I really needed you, right? And we have all can experience this. We have all have experiences when people aren't there for us when we need them. And sometimes part of that is our, we have unreal expectations for people. We're asking them to do what only God can do, right? And that's a problem because you're always going to be disappointed by people because people never meet up to your expectations, you know? Meet your hero, you know, the one that you thought would be amazing. And it's like, that's, you know, you're not going to get out of it what you think you're going to get out of it, you know. We were out in the Inland Empire last night. I didn't get to watch the last two games, by the way, because we were doing youth ministry on Friday night. And I listened to it on the way home. But I'm, we were at a play, and I'm, like, watching it, a sound of music. And I'm, I'm just like, man, I love my family so much to be here right now. <laughs> um, and I'm sitting there looking at game day. I have one bar, so it's updating like every five minutes. It feels like, ah! And then as we're watching it, I'm watching my girls, and they're just, they're glued. And Hazel got to meet Gretel, the little one. 
She looked like she was like the same size as her. And so she's like, I want to go meet her afterwards. So she goes up there. She's like, hi, my name's Hazel. And she's like, hi. Mine, she said her name. She's like, how old are you? And so they're like talking to each other. Uh, and I, I don't know what her expectations were, but maybe it was that they would be lifelong friends. And maybe that that girl was really Gretel, you know, from The Sound of Music. Right? But there's something about uh, an illusion of what people are, and then you get to know them. You go, man, you're, you are not perfect. Exactly. Neither are you. So there's something about expectations where we put too high of expectations on people where we're asking them to be what only God can be. So sometimes there's a change in relationships that have to happen where you go, I'm relying on you too much or whatever. But there's also times where your friends aren't there for you and they should be. So Paul's looking at Demas and he says he loves the present world. He's chosen, I would guess, peace and safety. That would be my guess, right? He's, he's, he, was, he had put his hand to the plow and he's decided, I'm going somewhere else. And Paul's like, dude, you were with me. One of the things, we, uh, in, like Colossians, is that he was with him in Paul's first imprisonment. So he's been there and done that, but now he's turned his back on Paul. And a lot have. We're going to see at the end of the day, the Lord has not turned his back on him. That'll be next week. But there's a change here in relationship, right, um, for, from Demas. Uh, and I think it's important here, as Paul is reaching out to Timothy, and he's recalling that Demas has left him, and he's recalling these other two guys, which are um, Crescens and Dalmatia, uh, I mean, sorry, and Titus, as they've gone to their two different places, which is uh, Galatia and Dalmatia, they weren't outside of the will of God. They were just gone. They left. They were doing ministry somewhere else. But there's no indication that these guys love the present world. They were just off doing something else. But Paul, we view him a lot of times as more than human. That's important to understand. He misses people. He needs people in his life. And so he's like saying, I'm grieved. One of my friends betrayed me. My other friends are gone. They're doing ministry, but I'm really sad and I need to see my friends. I need to be around people. It's because that's, so we sometimes have this view like uh, uh, almost like a detachment kind of a view. Like the more I can be detached from the world, the less I'll be affected, the more I won't have to worry about, you know, things making me sad or having to deal with pain. That's not the case here with Paul. Instead, he's like, I have been caused pain. He recognizes it. And my solution for my pain in relationships is I need more relationships. I need to be close with God. We know he was there, right? God's given him peace in the midst of a death sentence. But he also knows that he needs people in his life. So it's not some great, um, you know, man of the faith who doesn't think they need friends. That's a big mistake. It's a huge mistake. We need people in our life to help us. Paul's not some impenetrable force that didn't need anyone but God. His mission kept him free, you know, he did his mission, it wasn't that his mission kept him free from the messiness of relationships. That's not the case, right? Throughout all of his writings, he's constantly talking about people, right? What does he say at the beginning? He's greeting them all, and he's like, I love you. I'm praying for you all the time. And at the end, he's like, let me tell you all my friends that are here. And they all want you to know how much we care about you guys. So you know what that means? We need relationships. We need to be around people. 
What are, what are these, a lot of the studies and stuff we do, right? Uh, women's study, men's study, discipleship. It's, it's, yes, it's about growing and learning, but it's about growing and learning together and going through things and praying for one another and then getting a text that a prayer was answered, right? <laughs> getting, and, and, and recognize you're in it together with each other. It's not just us. It's not just me. Oh, I'm better at studying the Bible by myself. I'm better at praying by myself. I'm a better Christian when I don't have to be around other ones. False. Not true. You need to be around other Christians. Oh, they kind of annoy me. Well, why do they annoy you? <laughs> Maybe we need to like, look and see, what is it in you? What is it about them? Do they remind you of you? <laughs> what is it? Or, I don't, I don't know, I'm okay. I don't need anyone to worry about my problems. Well, I, I think Jesus was pretty clear about when he was hurting to his friends. Paul is clear that he's hurting to his friends. We need relationship where we're vulnerable and real with one another, Okay. And so Paul is mourning the change of these friendships. One has gone off and he's, he's not with them. The other ones, they've gone off and done other things, but he's mourning that. That's why he's stating this. So by the way, it's not a bad thing to mourn things that change in your life. And a lot of times we don't want to mourn, so instead we snap back with like a harsh reaction. You know, instead of saying, I'm sorry, or I miss you or whatever, you go, you write them off. I'm done with you. You're out. I want nothing to do with you anymore. Before you know it, you've done that with everyone. Everyone that's close to you, you've distanced yourself from, and now you're on an island, and you're going to come up with some crazy, kooky stuff. We need friends in our life. And so when, when we recognize, man, I'm, I'm, I'm sad, I'm missing my friends, that's okay. Be real about that, right? Bring it to others. And so Paul says, my friends are gone. A lot of my friends are gone. Timothy, come. I need you to come to me. Get to me, please, my son in the faith, my like beloved son in the faith. I love you. Come to me. I want to speak to you. I want to see you. This is the last thing, is my, my last demand, right? So we want to be careful not to act like there's no pain or act like we don't struggle when things change around us. We've got to be real about that or otherwise you bury it and it does come back in a very bad time. But we grieve it right? We grieve, and then we seek to heal before God and with each other, right? Life's hard. There are separations. There's things that are hard to understand, but we don't give up on people because of their failure. We continue to invest. Oh, I've been hurt by people. I don't ever want to know someone again. You you heard the saying, it's better to have loved and lost than never have loved at all. I mean, sometimes it's hard to believe that. But it's worth the investment, even if things don't go the way you want them to go. It's worth the investment to keep your heart pliable and real, right? And being honest with yourself. Otherwise, we get blocked up and we're all scar tissue. I know because I, I naturally do this. You know, I, it's like a natural thing for me to do. It's like, I don't want to deal with that. I don't know what that is. I don't like pain, so I'm, I'm going to use anger to mask it. Way to go. How did that turn out, right? Luke. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, so verse 11. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for as useful for me for ministry. And Tychicus I have sent to Ephesus. Um, here's part two. Uh, so the first, the first one was uh, mourning the change of a friendship. As we're saying, relationships matter. Second point, faithful friendships need grace. Okay, uh, first of all, Luke doesn't need a ton of grace. I'm sure he did in some sense, right? But he was awesome. He was with Paul. He was a physician. He was, you just see him with him all the time, right? 
and he's staying with Paul through thick and thin. He's ministering to him. Um, we, we write, he wrote two books. Some believe that, that the letters he wrote were actually trying to get Paul off the hook for some of his uh, political stuff. He was a great writer, brilliant writer. You know, the details of a physician, right? The only problem is no one could read his writing. I'm just kidding. See, doctor. Okay. Um, but Luke loved Paul. And he was a great friend to him. And he was there to minister to him and be with him through thick and thin. And he was also there to, to bring love, fellowship, and the gifted hands of a physician. He was using what God had blessed him with uh, to the utmost. I'm sure having a doctor while you're rotting in prison is a, is a wonderful thing. Right? But that's not all it was. He wasn't just his physician. He was like a beloved, loving friend, and they had this beautiful fellowship with one another. So only Luke is with me. Now, what does he say here? Check this out. Get Mark and bring him uh, with you, for he's useful to me for ministry. Go get Mark. Who's Mark? John Mark, okay? John Mark is the one that wrote the gospel of Mark, or at least he penned it. A lot of people believe it to be Peter's uh, uh, account, but Mark wrote it. Uh, interesting thing about, about this guy, right? Uh, if you go back into Acts chapter 15, there is major beef over this guy. And you know who has the beef with him? Paul. Paul was furious with him, right? Why? Because he had abandoned them. Many people believe he was really young, and he went on one of the missionary journeys, and all of a sudden he like showed up, and he's like, uh, demon possession, jail, um, no, I got to go, you know, <laughs> and he bailed. And so then Barnabas was like, hey, let's bring, let's bring him with us again. Let's bring Mark with us again. Paul's like, absolutely not. He is not going with us. He is not ready. He can't do this. He's not part of us. He's a failure, you know. Uh, Acts chapter 15 tells us the story in verse 30, starting verse 36. Then after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us now go back and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Now Barnabas was determined to take with them John called Mark. Um, but Paul insisted that they should not take uh, with them the one who had departed from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. Then the contention became so sharp that they parted from one another. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed, being commended by the brethren to the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. But now Paul looks at John Mark and he says, he is useful for me for ministry. That's one of the beautiful things. If you want to have a friendship with someone or a relationship with someone, I mean, this is friendship. This is marriage. This is children. You're gonna need grace, right? You're gonna need grace for them. And you're gonna need grace from them to know that what you see right now is not the end result of my life, right? So Paul was not able to, did not just write off John Mark for the rest of his life. Uh, he probably learned a lesson about grace throughout his whole life in the process and seen it in, for himself and then he's seen it for others. And he says, man, you know what? Bring John Mark to me. That guy is a blessing. Bring him to me. So our relationships, if we want to see them be useful, we're going to need grace for each other. You know what that means? Sometimes people are going to blow it. And sometimes those people are you. 
right? A lot. Say things you shouldn't say. Do things you shouldn't do. Miscommunicate, even, where you didn't mean something bad, but the way you said it was not good, right? The tone or the, uh, the timing or whatever. Oh, what am I doing? I'm an idiot. Why did I say it like that? Or why did I do that? Or why did I back down? Why did I this or that? It's like, no, 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 no. John Mark is a fellow brother. Can you bring him to me? I want to hang out with that guy. And is there anything more beautiful than restoration after a sharp disagreement? Is it, what's better than that? Being restored? That, and that is a, a message of the gospel. That is what God does right? He restores relationships. That is what we experience with him, right? So uh, I think it's amazing to see a relationship go south and then be redeemed and revived with more depth. That's one of the beautiful things about marriage is you're known in the deepest possible way, right? like to the core of what you really, really are. And it gets a whole lot messier, the deeper you go, but the, then what's brought out of that is something really beautiful if you allow God to use that in your life. And that's the same with any friendships you have, right? A lot of times people really like surface level friends. I really like that guy. Well, it's because you don't really know that guy. Because the more you got to know him, they drive you insane. I'll tell you what, why don't you go on a road trip with that person? Like a long one. Let's go on a two-weeker in the car. And tell me you don't want to, you, you want to hear their voice ever again after that, you know? You know what? I realized we were done talking two hours into this trip, and we just kept talking, didn't we? You know, something like that. You're like, well, that sounds pretty terrible. But you get the idea, right? We don't really know each other. But then there comes a depth where you do get to know each other, and you get past all the surface-level stuff, which is really usually a veneer. This is what I want you to think I'm like. Then all of a sudden you start diving into the crust and you go, oh, whoa, that's kind of what you're really like. But then that part's still kind of protected. And so you're trying to act like that's not what you're really like. And then you get to this, the core of this is like intimacy and real friendship, which is this is where you're saying, this is what I'm really like. Here I am before you. This is, what I'm, this is who I really am. And you kind of, you're like, take it or leave it you know, to some extent. And there's something about that place where there's no protection and there's no guarding or anything like that. It's just grace. That's God's grace. Because as we're real with one another, as we're honest with one another, as we're confessing our sins before one another, the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. He's faithful to forgive us. If we say we have no sin, we're liars. The truth isn't in us. But as we're vulnerable before each other and we are real about where we're really at, there's something about that. It's like, I, I don't know what it is about that guy. He just told me everything about him. And I'm like, you know, I really like him for that. <laughs> I, 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 met, I met, you know, we're, we're hanging out with some friends and one of the guys was like, he just like completely gave me all the dirt in his life, not in a gnarly way, but just told me the whole story and pulled zero punches, said all the blow it, blow it stuff right off, off the bat and how God had taken him through and brought him to the other part. And I'm like, whoa, that was like everything right away. That's nuts, you know? And I think we knew we could trust each other. And it was like a mutual friend thing. And you're like, whoa. But I felt like I know you, even though I've really just met you. 
Like there's something there. And I'm like, I really like you because I think I can trust you because you're really honest. And, and I, so I can work with that, right? And so there's something about Paul knowing John Mark in his failures and then seeing God restore the relationship and seeing John Mark grow, seeing Paul grow in his grace because he's a pretty intense guy. And now they're able to be reconciled like, man, I would love to see that guy. That's beautiful. That's a beautiful thing. It's easy to burn bridges and cut people off. And it's a lot harder to build and rebuild when stuff gets messed up. Can I encourage you? It's worth it. It is worth it. So if there's someone in your life and you're thinking, especially if they're a brother or sister in the Lord, and you're like, I've let that thing become an absolute train wreck. I need to be real and vulnerable and honest before them and tell them the truth, and we need to get to the bottom of this. Maybe that's a call, right? As Paul's dealing with relationships, especially at the end of his life, that's actually a thing people want to do a lot. They want to make like kind of like amends with people. They want to tell them the truth, right? Because it's like, I don't have anything to lose. I'm just going to go, here you go. This is the real thing. Because whatever you think of me, really, when I'm gone, it's like, okay. But I want to be honest and real before the Lord, right? So Paul not just didn't just see that Mark was tolerable, but useful for the ministry, right? Not just like it had been reconciled to like, I can be around you, but he saw him as useful for the ministry. That's God's grace, 100%, right? We're all works in progress. We all are growing. We need to remember this, continue to give grace and build bridges wherever we can, anywhere we can, because that's gospel work, no doubt about it. That is gospel work. Build bridges, wherever you can, right? And then Tychicus, uh, this is, you know, Paul's personal representative uh, that's bringing letters around. He sent him away. I mean, sad he's gone. Likely their letters are in hand, right? Because he's going to Ephesus. So he's faithful and true. uh, And Paul relied on these men. These are faithful and true men that Paul relied on them, right? And their faithfulness had a real impact, right? Being a faithful friend, and we all blow it, man. We all blow it. But being a faithful friend in, in hardships and struggles and trials has a way bigger impact in people's lives than you even think. I think that's what's really hard. I, I, I kind of struggle with this because I, I think sometimes you're like, ah, how do you show up for that person? And you're like, I don't want to do too much and I don't want to overwhelm and I don't want to bum them out and I don't want to say this and I don't want to say that. And one of the things I, I, I learned even doing when bedside manner, if people are not doing well and doesn't look like they're going to make it is, is you don't act like they're not dying. They know they are. But you meet them where they're at in that position, in that place, where they're at for real. And you can able, then you're able to minister instead of going like, I don't really know how to say this. I don't really know what to do. That was the first time when I was in those positions. You're like, I don't know how to pray this. You're like, I don't even know what where to go. It's like, man, look at the person. That's a person. Meet them where they're at. It will have a real impact on them and then the people around. Okay. So then he says this, verse 13, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas when you come and the books, especially the parchments. Um, Yeah, this is part three. Relationships seek tangible ways to meet a need. There's a, a, a tangible need Paul has in his life. And, and so Timothy is going to have an opportunity to do that. And sometimes, man, that's a meal. Sometimes it's more. 
meeting people where they're at in that sense, right? Timothy, bring my cloak. Bring it to me. I Likely it was uh, with winter coming. Who knows the gap? It might have just ended for all we know, for how long it's going to take to get there. He's like, please hurry up. Bring my cloak. The cloak, the idea was like it was a, a very thick piece of fabric with like a hole, you know, cut over the head and pulled over and it would cover them. It was like comfort and it was warmth and it would help you in the rain. The maritime prisons were gnarly. People like tried to kill themselves when they were in them. Paul was in a horrific spot and he needed some warm clothes. And so he says, please bring my cloak, right? I need my coat for, for comfort and for warmth. Then he says, also bring my books. What were the books? This could be some of his study notes, his thoughts, other things that he, he had learned along the way, maybe even some of the writings from others. And then he says the parchments were most likely scriptures, Old Testament scriptures, uh, maybe even some of the writings of others. We don't know for sure, but they were very, very important things to Paul. So what are the things Paul's valuing at the end of his life? Relationships. Gather my friends. I want to find my friends. Bring them to me. I want to see, I want to see them. I want to hang out with them. I want, to, I want to talk to them. I want to look in their eyes, you know, in a sense, right? And then what else? Comfort, obviously, tap practical needs. It'd be foolish to think we don't need practical needs. God made us like this, right? So you go, oh, I wouldn't want, you know, I don't want somewhere to live or I don't, I don't want warm clothes because then it's like, I, don't, I just want God to be enough for me. He's like, well, I made you with, as a person who can feel cold, you know, I, I want, to, you need, there's needs involved too. And so if you're able to provide actual needs for people, that's a really good thing. But and also, Paul is saying, bring to me these books and these writings that will keep my eyes on God in this, right? He's not escaping from what he's going through. That's, that's important. Paul didn't try to numb out and isolate. Because a lot of times when we go through hard things is when you see people isolate. And I, you could see it. Sometimes you're like, man, you, they just disappear from around being around people. And you go, what's going on? You find out there's something gnarly going on in their life. And they don't know what to do with it, so they isolate. And, and the reasons they're isolating is because they've been fed lies from the enemy. Really clear lies that someone from the outside could see, but you see people isolate, and you're like, oh, I don't really want to bug them. I don't want to be over the top or whatever. But the, the, that's, that's a coping mechanism. There's lots of things we use to cope, right? There's digital stuff we can use to cope. There's, um, you know... Uh, alcohol, drugs, sexual stuff, whatever. It's like coping mechanisms that we go to. Like, where do I find some peace? Nothing around me is making sense. Everything is really bad. Ah, I just got to find something that's going to gratify myself for a second so I can feel normal or, or I feel something good for like one second. And of course, you know what happens when you use these kind of vices is the fallout's 10 times worse on the other side. Next thing you know, you're like way, way, way deeper, right? And when you used to take drugs to like feel really good and high, before you know it, you've got to take them to feel somewhat normal, right? And then, then that's in a really bad place. But it all starts with us not dealing with the issues of life in the correct way, which is what? To bring it before God, which is Paul's like, bring me my parchments and everything, right? I want to know, I want to stay close with God. I want to study. I want to write. I want to be a part of all of this. And then the other part is, be around people, right? 
So you go to God, love, your God, love God, love one another. Relationship. It's all relationship. Our relationship with God, our relationship with one another. And sin tries to isolate us from both. So if you find yourself wanting to isolate away from people, which I understand, you know, especially like I, I'm an introvert, believe it or not. I'm a loud introvert. We exist. Okay? But I, I have a natural tendency like to, re, to pull back and like I got to like regroup. I, I, this is like overload, right? And that's okay for a season. But when you pull too far back and you isolate yourself, recognize you're isolating yourself from others, which usually ends up isolating yourself from God. And so Paul didn't want to do either. He says, man, in the midst of this trial, because remember what he said last week, I fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. How did he do that? By not going to vices. I'm having enough, a rough night. You know what? I'm going to go to this thing. You know what's funny? We have those things. And some of them sound like bad. And you go, oh, yeah, of course, we all agree that would be bad. But then some of them are just, we just numb out. Right? What's the first thing I do to numb out? You know, let's find a new series to watch. <laughs> It's not to say that that's a bad thing to watch a series, but you got to ask yourself the motivation. Am I hiding from something? Am I trying to avoid something in my life? What's really going on with me? And sometimes it could even be information overload. You know, like it's like, ah, I, everything's out of control in my life. So I just need to learn. I just need to listen to 15 books on audio that'll tell me how to walk with God. And he's like, just walk with God. It's great. You got all the books. You got all the info. You've got so much info, you're confused. You have 70 steps you could take as your first step. But the first, but the thing you got to do is actually do the thing. So separate yourself from that. Spend time with God and then spend time with one another. Paul did that and he valued that. That's why he asked him to bring it. Okay. Then at 14, Alexander, the coppersmith, did me much harm. May the Lord repay him according to his works. You also must beware of him, for he has greatly resisted our words. So um, I think this is probably the same Alexander as Paul warned Timothy about in 1 Timothy 1, 18 through 20. This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that you may wage the good warfare, having faith and a good conscience, which some have... Uh, some having rejected concerning the faith have su suffered shipwreck among whom are Hymenaeus and Alexander whom I delivered to Satan that they may learn not to blaspheme. What happened? Alexander got worse, right? He went internal instead of uh, being separated so that he may like realize the mistakes in his life. He decided to go even deeper. What's the result? This guy's a maniac, and he might be the one that was an eyewitness as to what Paul did, was saying, this is the guy, this is the guy, this is the guy. So he's saying, watch out for him. There's no one that can hurt you more than someone that used to be close to you, right? Isn't that true? Someone who used to be really close to you, and they all of a sudden get a bad thing, and they know how to hurt you, and they know how to say the things and push on the buttons. Paul had many of those people that he'd seen later, but he does not stop loving people anyway, right? So there's a real warning here with this guy, Alexander. He loved this current world. He suffered shipwreck, you know. He's, he's, he's left his 
good conscience and he's suffered shipwreck. He's, he's not doing it, so he's been delivered to Satan and now he's full on being used by Satan in his life. So it's really important to understand. You get isolated and you start, you're isolated from God. We're isolated from God. We're isolated from one another. We can find ourselves doing the wrong stuff real quick. And guess what? We justify it really well. We are amazing at justifying the crap in our lives. Man, I, uh, it's different from me. I have a good reason for doing that. They don't know why, but I know why. And it's actually, I know it would normally not work, but for me, it works. Let me explain why. Good luck, right? Or we come before the Lord, which was Paul's intent. And God, you know, you know there was a, that I blew it. Search me and know me. Remind me again of my failures and then help me to make restoration in the relationships around me. Why? Because again, relationships matter. So the three points again, uh, mourning the change of a friendship. Man, we, we got to realize sometimes things change. Sometimes they're because of bad things that happen. Sometimes they're just because of life. You can mourn those times. I think that that's okay to vo vocalize that. It doesn't mean you lack faith. What are the Psalms? They're like bleeding heart. God, I'm so confused as to what you're doing. Where are you? I don't get it. And somehow those things were allowed to be made in scripture. I think God's okay with us asking questions like that. And being like, I'm confused. Why did you take that person out of my life? Why? I don't get it. I'm grieving this so we start with that, right? Mourning to change of relationships. Sometimes people leave. Sometimes people for good reasons or bad. Second part, faithful friendships and relationships need grace. Don't just look at what is. Look at what can become if God continues to work in them. By the way, you choosing to allow God that space to work in them and allow them that space for God to work in them also makes you more mature. Isn't that what's interesting? You too are growing in grace by allowing someone else to grow in grace. Why? Because I don't just, it's not now, 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 or what's wrong with you? It's like, no, man, we're all in process here. <laughs> and then last, we're looking for ways. If, since relationships matter, since they're worth working at, since they're worth giving grace to, uh, especially because losing them is so painful, we want to seek tangible ways to meet the need of friends or those we're in relationship with. What can I do to help you? You know what's interesting? Usually the things that help the most are the smallest things. Like you think it's the big thing. Oh, I'm going to give you a grand thing. It's like, well, that's cool. But then sometimes people are like, how do I pay you back for this thing? You know? But sometimes it's like a cup of cold water on a hot day. Does that, that helps, doesn't it? Right? When show, someone shows up at the right time with the right thing, oh my goodness. Wow. How do we do that? We discern that by looking around. We don't think about just ourselves. We look at those around us, and we also are like, God, give me discernment and wisdom to know how to minister to people. This is the salt, right? That your words be seasoned with salt, knowing how you ought to answer each one, redeeming the time, right? That we know how we ought to speak, how we know how we ought to live, and knowing that it's going to have an effect on the people around us. So let's pray, and then uh, we'll, we'll worship. But relationships matter. They're so worth it, you guys. So uh, I guess point of action, we all have relationships. We've blown it for sure, right? And so uh, ask God 
for if, if and maybe you don't even think you need a change of heart ask god if you do need one and then ask for an opportunity to do it it's amazing how often he'll do that and you'll be like this is the prayer you answer you know <laughs> an opportunity to make things right okay cuz it's worth it god has made um, us to be in relationship with him and because we're created in the image of God and then those people around us, we're all created in the image of God. So there's something about that whole relational thing. God wants us to love him, be in relationship with him and then love one another and be in relationship with one another. And it, cause it's, it's, it's so much more satisfying than anything the world can give us. Okay. Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to join us in person, we meet at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings. For more info on the church or ministries we offer, head over to calvarycarlsbad.com. Thank you and God bless.